Guardian Unlimited. Welcome to the Power of One podcast series, brought to you in association with the special edition Mazda RX-8PZ. For more information on the car, please visit www.mazda.co.uk. Hi, Steve. I think we got you at quite a good time because you've just come back from the UK School Games in Glasgow, which, given your long-standing opposition to the notion that competition is unhealthy for kids, must be a development that you really welcome. It's the first ever in what may become a, a series. No, definitely. A, a huge success of the, of the school games, and you're rightly saying about uh, there's been a, a number of uh, schools over a number of years that have been quite anti to competitive sports. I went to a, a school for a, a, a few years that their policy was uh, was non-competitive, but um, somebody that wasn't academically uh, the sharpest tool in the box, they still made me do uh, maths exams and and science exams and, and English tests. We live in a very competitive world. As soon as we leave school, we're put into the uh, the outside world of, of trying to fend for ourselves, which is very competitive. And so uh, uh, sheltering us from a competitive environment from, from a sporting point of view has got to be wrong. It's the lessons that you learn from competing in sport are immense that uh, can benefit you in so many different ways of, of how to control yourself, treating with success and defeat. I think they'll make you more of a rounded person. How important is it for kids to have someone that they can um, aspire to emulate, such as yourself? I think that uh, everybody uh, looks up to somebody in, in some ways. That When I was coming through in, into sport, that, uh, that made a big impact on me was a, a guy called Mark Spitz, who uh, won a few medals at uh, the Munich Games in 72. He actually won seven uh, in the swimming disciplines. And uh, I thought, as a 10-year-old, I thought, God, that must be amazing. Just to win one's got to be fantastic. So in some ways, that he inspired me to, to get involved in, in sport. But uh, at that time I didn't know what rowing was that had never come across my my, my path and uh, that uh, when I got to the age of, of 14 the, the head of the English department at the comprehensive school that I went to uh, his two loves was was rowing and rugby and asked me if I wanted to to give rowing a go and uh, thought well yeah going out on the river during school time that suits me down to the ground and uh, after a couple of weeks of doing that I got sucked into it and started doing it every day after school and sort of success came from sort of from there and there was a few people domestically a guy called Tim Crooks that uh, I looked up to that uh, was Olympic silver medalist with, within our sport uh, internationally there was a guy called Percy Carpenham from, from Finland that won three consecutive single skull gold medals when you get involved in sport there is somebody or something that will inspire you in some way and I just think if I hadn't come across that English teacher if I hadn't gone to the school that I, want, uh, that I went to then I'd probably have never ever got into a rowing boat There's lots of kids who are, are born with a a natural talent but who don't necessarily make it to the top because they don't have the personality traits or the, the mental strength. What do you think you had that made sure that you did maximise your potential? I think it's a very difficult question to, to, to answer in some ways because there, if it was one or two single factors that made somebody a champion or not uh, you'd be able to bottle it very easily and, and uh, make a lot, quite a lot of money from it the reality is is that uh, everyone has very different makeups that uh, psychologists would say that you've got to be a certain trait in a certain way and a certain mind thought to be able to do something but in some ways you can train that in some ways and you can prepare it I think when you get to uh, the highest level 
football within our sport was uh, was the Olympic Games is that you're you're very much competing on with people that have done the same sort of preparation the same sort of uh, training the same sort of build up to to that major event but only one of them is going to be a champion at the end of it or one team's going to be a champion at the end of it and uh, that probably comes down to the, uh, the the mental side of it and uh, I think uh, by the end of my career I was certainly uh, uh, mentally strong in what I was doing uh, as the, the physique started sort of slipping away and, and age catching up on me is that the mental side was, was probably tougher than it had ever been so it was, a, it was a good balance in some ways you make an interesting point in your book of course your, your aspiration always was to win an Olympic gold but you were denied the chance to participate in the 1980 Olympics and rather than say that that denied you the chance of maybe getting six consecutive gold medals you're modest enough to say you didn't think you would have got a gold medals then but the fact that you didn't lose an Olympics then later on in your career gave you this aura of invincibility because no one could say well he's lost before so we may, maybe we beat him this time so when your opponents looked at you in the starting line they thought my god no one's ever beaten them how will we do it no, it's, a, it's quite interesting from that point of view. I, I had a speech a couple of years ago at uh, the uh, uh, Albert Hall. The guy that was emceeing it used to be the chairman of, of selectors for rowing. He was introducing me to the to the audience and said, how do you think I feel? I was the person as uh, didn't select an 18-year-old Steve Redgrave to go to the Moscow Olympics, uh, who possibly could have won six Olympic gold medals. That uh, no, At the age of, of 18, uh, I wouldn't have been... Um, a medal contender at that stage but uh, yeah that you try and draw from whatever strengths you possibly can and uh, uh, there's great confidence when you're coming to the end of the career and you're going to your fifth olympic gold medal and thinking well every time i've gone to olympic games i've won why should that change now and you come up with all sorts of different things. Is that uh, um, in Atlanta we were the first gold medal given out after the the, the bomb incident, and uh, you question what you're doing there. Somebody's making a political statement of some sort, and and we're just being used as uh, as pawns within the, the sort of biggest show of it in some ways. Why should we be going out and, and sort of uh, carrying on what we're doing? But then you think of it in a different way. So if we don't go out there and race somebody's going to become Olympic champion if somebody's going to become Olympic champion why shouldn't it be me and uh, you sort of uh, put yourself into whatever situation that gives you that sort of what I would feel that, that mental edge of improvement over, over the next person One of the most remarkable things about your dominance of your sport was the fact that you were up against some really serious rivals was it the fact that they were so good that kept pushing you had it been the case that you were constantly cruising to victory by 50 and 60 seconds that it would have been too easy not challenging anymore and you may not have stayed at the top for so long I think that uh, you look at, uh, at sport and, and most sport, there, there is probably a, a dominating character um, within, within all sports and it comes and goes and, and uh, people take it to, to, to new levels. You think of uh, Sir Guy Bugka of uh, pole vaulting. He was capable of probably jumping a, a huge margin over the world record, but uh, for money reasons, that uh, each championship he went to, that if he broke the world record, he was uh, uh, got a bonus for that. So each time he'd only just break the record by a centimetre. And, and uh, within our sport, you can't judge things like that of uh, racing 2,000 metres that you've got to go uh, as hard and, and whatever the conditions will allow you to do. Um, if a world record came along, that was all well and good, but you, you couldn't plan for it in that way. But um, the, 
I suppose that as an athlete that uh, I had a talent within within the sport, but uh, it wasn't too easy where I got bored of the challenge that uh, I was setting myself. There was always a, a realistic uh, goal that I was trying to achieve and, and try and do. Um, I remember quite a close friend of mine after my second Olympic gold medal said, oh, you've got to stop when you're at the top. You've got to, you shouldn't go on for another Games. And I thought, well... I've still got challenges that I want to achieve. Yes, I've been Olympic champion twice. Um, and outside, the, that's what people see uh, is that uh, becoming Olympic champion again. But it was about setting yourself targets, trying to achieve the goals for yourself and trying to, to, to get there. Um, one of the questions that was sort of thrown at me after to Sydney is that uh, if you lost, uh, would have the last four years been a waste of time? And the answer would have been no because of the, the, the friendship, the bonds that you have with your um, teammates as well as the camaraderie of the, the opposition that, the, that you race against and uh, um, is all a very special part of that. But um, uh, I suppose it would be the reasons of why you did lose. If we lost because we didn't row the way that we thought we could do and perform and, and made a mistake and lost it from that point of view, that's really hard to take. If you lose it from somebody who's performed better than you and uh, performed better than you on the day, they deserve it. It's still hard to take, but uh, you, you've got to accept that. Um, um, so in that way that the challenges were always there for me to sort of uh, step up to the plate and, and, and rise to it but not too easy where you think oh, what's the point I'll go and do something else <laughs> that, that was a challenge that you set yourself but there was other challenges that were uh, imposed on you if you like notably your health did in some way that intensify your desire to uh, another challenge another obstacle to overcome well, the, the colitis that I came down with was um, in 92 in the Bar Barcelona year and uh, a very strange situation is that uh, I, I started having uh, um, uh, uh, symptoms where I had to go to the toilet quite, quite often to uh, put it in more of a polite terms of the issues that I was having at that time and uh, it looked like uh, uh, 10 weeks before the Games happened that uh, it was unlikely that I was going to be well enough to actually compete at the Games and not just get, make finals and maybe win medals and that was the first Games that Matthew and I competed at we went to uh, one international regatta and lost, which was the first time that we'd lost for a, for a couple of years. And uh, we came off the water and the selectors within rowing said, you're selected to go to the Games. Go away, prepare yourselves, get yourselves, try and get yourselves sorted out. You don't have to race again now to, to the Olympic Games, which is a, a very strange situation. You do a, your worst result you'd ever done with, with Matthew and I racing in the pair and we get selected to go to the Games because of it. Um, but uh, we were able to sort of get to grips with the problem that uh, uh, the, the medics really got to, to, to find out what the problem was with me, got me on the right treatment. And because I was able to keep my training going through of all the sort of severe conditions I had at that time, is that when things started coming back right, I was still at a reasonably good performance. And uh, that made sort of Barcelona as as, uh, um, as sort of an outstanding performance that we, we did as a, as a crew. Um, on the, 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 the diabetes was, was harder in some ways because it was three years before Sydney when I came down with the diabetes and uh, the, the consistency of performance was thrown out of the window and that was very difficult to, to battle and in some ways I was battling against the condition and I was about battling with uh, trying to get my own performance up to a level that uh, was necessary to compete in the games and not really thinking about the people that we had to race. Um, but uh, one way or another, we, we got through those uh, those issues, and 
home and uh, uh, be able to uh, to compete. I think back at the the, uh, the colitis situation in '92, I was extremely ill. Um, Ten weeks um, leading up to the games, uh, it was about a, uh, a window of about two months. And uh, soon after the games, I had the condition very seriously again. And uh, people say, well, was that because it was the right treatment or was that just sheer willpower that you were going to get it over? When I went to the consultant was diagnosed in the first place, he sort of listed a whole list of about 15 different things. Potentially, it could be uh, wrong with me from food poisoning um, downwards. And at the bottom of the list was ulcerative colitis. And he said, well, there's no way it could be that because there's no way that you could be doing what you're doing now to be able to do that. And when the test came back, it was ulcerative colitis. And, and he was amazed. Um, but it was just one of those things that you had to deal with. But because it was so close to the games, there wasn't really that much time to give it much consideration. It was, how am I going to deal with this? How are we going to do that and, 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 and go for it? Um, but it did come down to a, a very close call, um, about eight weeks to go, that uh, I still wasn't performing to the level that I should be performing at, miles below that I should be. And uh, Matthew and Jürgen had a conversation, and they said, we're going to give him two more weeks. And if he's not showing improvements from then, we've got to look at a different combination to compete at these games. Um, were you in physical pain at that point, or was, was your determination blocking out the pain? There, there was there was physical pain, um, that uh, severe stomach cramps, um, that uh, certainly not not pleasant at all. I, I think back of uh, uh, of the situation, and it wasn't it wasn't fun by any stretch of the imagination. But you just had to deal with it. I remember finishing one day's training and, and uh, going into Reading to do some shopping in uh, late afternoon and just doubled up in pain on the pavement, on the floor. And you think, well, this is, this is a few weeks before you go into the Olympic Games. This, this isn't right preparation. I think I'm right in saying that since your retirement you've run three marathons. Is that right? Are there still sporting challenges you just can't resist rising to? Uh, debatable if you call it running uh, I've completed three marathons somebody that's 18 stone 18 stone plus is that uh, long distance running isn't, isn't my forte by any stretch of the imagination um, but uh, yes that uh, sort of different challenges that I set myself that uh, I wanted to do a, a marathon the first one in 2001 was the, the greatest lap of honour that uh, anybody could do was that, uh, uh, in a sport of rowing you don't get that opportunity to go around the stadium afterwards and uh, the, the London Marathon themselves gave me the, uh, the honour of, of having uh, the number one um, bib for the race, which is uh, uh, a huge honour. But uh, that number one dropped more places than it's ever dropped before in any, in any race. But it was absolutely fantastic. The crowds were brilliant. Uh, I always say as I crossed the line, my arms were more tired than my legs because I was shaking so many people's hands. It was just an amazing atmosphere. Um, I did it three years later, and I did it again this year. Um, but the challenges this year was trying to raise the, the most money um, as an individual for doing a marathon anywhere in the world, which we raised over $1.8 for children causes so uh, there has to be a challenge in it in, in some ways of uh, but it would take me five and a half hours what, what's the next challenge uh, my next challenge is to try and keep my mouth shut um, <laughs> that, uh, that when I retired I made this statement I was going to try and raise five million for children's causes in five years which we've, we've done in our fifth year that we've, we've got to the total um, and I seem to be able to sort of uh, put myself into situations that are uh, giving myself daunting things to do. So my next challenge, which is probably the hardest one, is to keep quiet for a few years and, and, and try and enjoy life for a little while. Mm -hmm.
You've been listening to the Power of One podcast series. Brought to you in association with the special edition Mazda RX-8PZ. For more information on the car, please visit www.mazda.co.uk. Guardian Unlimited.